Quick Mount PV presents Solar Roof Talk with the latest from the world of rooftop solar with your hosts Susan Stark and Jeff Spees. This episode of Solar Roof Talk is brought to you by Quick Mount PV's Q-Rail, the cost-competitive rooftop racking system featuring patented Q-Click clamping technology and the innovative Q-Splice to simplify and speed installations. Welcome back to another episode of Solar Roof Talk. My name's Jeff Spees, and I'm here with my co-host, Sue Stark. How are you doing today, Sue? Hey, Jeff. Great to be with you. I'm really pleased to say that we've got a special guest speaker today, my co-worker, our director of training at QuickMount PV, Johan Elfson. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Well, Johan's going to be talking about a subject that's quite exciting here in the uh, second half of today's program. But before we do get into Johan's portion of the discussion, we did want to address a topic that we've recently written an article for Solar Power World on, a brief article, but an important topic, which is staggering roof attachments on PV installations. And this is a practice that's been common for many solar installers. However, not everybody uses this practice, and, and the reason that we addressed it is because there are some serious structural considerations. I'm curious, Sue, how often is it you see solar installers staggering the roof attachments on a PV installation versus using kind of standardized six or four foot spacing? Well, my experience has been anywhere there's a uh, snow ground snow load of maybe 25 and higher pounds per square foot, the local authority having jurisdiction, code official, likes to see the the rafter attachments or the or roof attachments staggered so that they don't concentrate the load on a single rafter as they go up the array. Um, so I see this very commonly in New Jersey, where I'm from. Um, I have seen it commonly in the in the Northeast. I've done trainings in the South and the uh, the Mid-Atlantic states. And I'll just ask the installers real quick. Hey, uh, do you guys stagger? And they'll either look at me like I'm green or they'll say, oh, yeah, all the time. And it's one or the other. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, when you, you, the, the whole premise of staggering really wasn't a common discussion when I started working in the PV industry a bit more than 10 years ago. And it's picked up uh, a lot more proponents in recent years. Part of what caused that is in California, the Streamline Permitting Guidebook that accompanied the uh, Streamline Permitting process gave preferential treatment to PV installations that had staggered attachments. If you opted to not stagger your attachments, it ended up making you put attachments in a lot closer together. So staggering became the quicker, easier way to comply with the California Solar Permitting Guidebook requirements. And the premise is that rather than having all the load in your PV system borne by maybe three or four rafters, you spread it out to all the intermediate rafters and the inboard position of your array so that the load is equally distributed across the roof. Right. And in New Jersey, this is actually almost to the point where it's required uh, installers won't even attempt to install something not staggered, even if they're confident that the roof will hold it for fear that the local code official is going to fail them uh, if they don't. 
Now there are alternatives to staggering. So for example, in the California Solar Permitting Guidebook, if you opt to not stagger, you can provide a structural engineering report to the jurisdiction in lieu of utilizing the standardized plan and the staggered pa pattern. But getting a structural engineering report certainly involves some cost and some time. You can also, if you want to concentrate your load on a few rafters, structurally reinforce your roof. And so you were mentioning in projects you've been involved with in New Jersey that occasionally you would do some structural reinforcement. Yeah, it was common in um, older home construction where there might be two by fours or two by sixes where we would have to build a knee wall. Um, in New Jersey, you actually do have to have a structural letter from an engineer uh, for every installation. And I had an, an engineer that was sort of on staff and he would go look at a project, he'd go crawl in the, in the attic, or he would ask us to take photos on the site survey. And he would suggest at that point whether or not a knee wall was going to be required in order to do that installation. So uh, in a knee wall, maybe you can describe uh, what the, a typical knee wall looks like in that area. Sure. You're just uh, basically creating another support for the roof structure about three to four feet in inbound from the eave in the attic. Uh, that was typically what we did. It was so, just enough to reduce the rafter span from the eave to the ridge. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the, uh, from what my experience, very few installers enjoy doing much labor in the attic at all. So eliminating the need to get into the attic to do this structural reinforcement certainly seems like a benefit. Yeah, not only that, you'd have homeowners that had, you know, all kinds of Christmas stuff and all, everything in their attic. And the last thing they wanted to do was give a bunch of space to you. So, You know, the interesting uh, issue is that here in the Western U.S., not many people, at least in the Phoenix area, store anything in their attic because it bakes at a very high temperature in the summertime. But uh, unfortunately, because of our lower pitch roofs, there's not much room to maneuver. And there's not many installers I know that like crawling through insulation in a hot attic in the Phoenix or Southern California areas. So, um, uh, you know, one other thing that we recently discussed that was quite interesting to me is while staggering is effectively mandatory for many projects or highly preferred, most of the design tools that do layouts don't accommodate this type of pattern. Is that correct? Actually, I don't believe that any of the design tools for uh, the rail that's been on the market up until now have account, have allowed staggering or even um, shown the mounts on the plan. So one of the interesting challenges that we get involved with in structural evaluation is the confusion over the codes and standards that have relevance in establishing what the structural requirements will be when you mount PV on a roof. I can say without hesitation, and I am a degreed mechanical engineer, that uh, the structural aspects of PV are the least defined when it comes to codes and standards because there's a really complex interaction that occurs between the building and residential code, ASCE 7, which is the standard that dictates the structural capacities and all the other structural elements such as the American Wood Council's National Design Specifications and UL 2703's mechanical load testing and how all this relates to jurisdictional attachment requirements. It's really complex. So having a design tool 
that helps take some of this complexity away is a huge asset. And uh, one of the things that's quite interesting about the new Q designer design tool that we'll be introducing soon is that it offers the capability of providing staggering on your roof attachments. Sue, you've used that feature quite a bit. What's your experience been with it? Well, none of the other design tools that I ever used actually had the ability to stagger the mounts or even show the mounts on the plan. And I was always surprised that the AHJs were allowing for that to be put in as a as basically an engineering report. Um, it didn't even have enough mounts on it in order to stagger because staggering typically uses a couple more mounts. So I've always been a little confused by that. So um, really excited to announce that uh, we've developed our own design tool. It's called QDesign. It can be found at QDesignSolar.com. And we have not only um, a new exciting product from QuickMount PV in there that I'm going to defer to Johan to talk about, but we also have competing rails uh, in, in the product so that you can pick and choose whatever rail you want to use, but be able to really, in a, in a dynamic way, design the project. And I'm going to be talking about that after I defer to Johan to talk about a really new exciting product that we've got. So I'd like to welcome, of course, again, our special guest, Johan Alfson, who's going to tell us a little bit about the new QuickMount PV Q-Rail racking product. And uh, Johan, uh, you've had a chance over the past several weeks to be installing the product. Maybe you can give us a little bit of your uh, perspective and on your experiences working with this new racking product. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's pretty exciting. We've we've always been asked, why don't we come out with a racking system, a standard rail-based racking system? Um, some of you guys might know that we, you know, we kind of dipped our toe into the racking world uh, when we came out with uh, Quick Rack, our rail-free system, and that was in pretty high demand. And as far as folks wanting to try something new and it's still a product out there, but as some of you guys might know, especially you two, because you guys are on the education side, that, you know, when QuickMount first started, we were just trying to get people to use flashing and to get them to change their whole mindset on racking systems was quite a challenge. It was an uphill battle. You know, now everybody is using flashings and we have a lot of competition and we used to just work with racking companies and and we still do we do the engineering as sue mentioned we incorporate uh, other racking systems that we partner with and work with on racking systems and put it into our design tool our, our new q design and um and we've always done co-engineering um, but a lot of installers have been asking and some hjs in, in in certain areas ask for a complete system engineered by one manufacturer it's not required but it's just something that people want. And so QuickMount's always been known for having really high quality products, really uh, regarded as the number one high quality US made uh, mounting manufacturer and flashing. And so it was only natural for us to design a racking system. And we finally jumped that hurdle and, and you know, just offering a rail free system wasn't you know, enough. People want the full menu. So now we have that, you know, that 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 Q that quality that quality Q that goes with quick mount is in the racking design and so we're very excited to introduce this product and I come from an installer background and and I'm you know obviously we have to have the basics like 
uh, integrated grounding, UL 2703, we have that. Um, we have a light rail, a standard rail, and a heavy rail for all the different areas. Um, it's pretty interesting to see that our, our light rail actually is, um, can withstand up to 30 PSF. So it's a pretty strong light rail. Uh, and it has that boxy structure. Um, so the, the profile is a, is a pretty well-engineered system. Is if anyone has used Quick Mount, they know that we we have some pretty high-quality products, and you know we set the bar pretty high. So, like I said, some of the basics like UL twenty-seven hundred three uh, integrated grounding, wire management is obviously a really important thing. Being able to do uh, standard PV wires and uh, trunk cables, we have wire clips. Um, and uh, our, our mids and end clamps, we have uh, a little unique design called the Q-Click, where it takes the you know mid clamp and end clamp, and it clicks into the rail, and it leaves it basically ready for you to install. I mean, I have to say, solar installers are pretty spoiled these days. Everything is so well thought out now. In the early days, we were drilling holes through rails and, and, and trying to get it to line up properly and you know building our own things now you have the clips sitting there perfectly up for you ready to slide the module into place making things a lot faster whereas a lot of times i always get frustrated with t-bolt mid clamps sometimes they sit nicely but sometimes you know they they fall down when you're putting in the module and sliding it over as some of you guys might know so we've taken all of that into consideration and you know we always do the we always take installer feedback before we release a product so we put it in their face and we said what do you like what don't you like what should we change and this is our first uh, uh, take at a racking system a rail 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 based racking system and I'm pretty excited to see what the response is and and how we can grow from here now now I'm interested uh, the Q click system which I've had a chance to play around with a bit uh, it is intriguing compared to a conventional T-bolt because rather than having to stick a long bolt down into a slot and rotate it and hope that it stays engaged in that rotated direction has always been a little bit of a uncertain uh, alignment or installation method. One of the things that's neat about the Q-click is when you stick that Q-click mechanism down into the slot, of course it will click audibly, but what's nice about it is even when you torque it, even if you were to over-torque it, you're likely to not damage the rail in the same way you can with the standard T-bolt. I imagine you've had that experience in your past of pulling right. that. I mean, yeah, it's funny. We always say don't use impact. You know, any racking manufacturer will say don't use impact drills on, you know, mechanical hardware. It's really only for installing lags into a, a wood wood member. And, um, you know, but just for fun, I always, you know, the reality is that installers are going to use an impact, whether you have a good one that has settings or maybe not. Um, I actually have an old Makita and, you know, Carlos is, is one of our technical trainers here as well. And he always does things by the book and he's very much a quick mount, uh, captain here. And he always does things by the book. And I always like to come in and just kind of totally contradict it and be that installer that's going to be impatient. So I've actually blasted them in with impacts. And you're right. doesn't damage the rail. It actually doesn't damage the hardware. Not to say that you should do it, but it and, can take and, a beat. And I, will, and I will caution people. The downside, of course, is that it can indeed damage any grounding system or the module. This is an interesting additional challenge if you – with an impact driver, torque your mid clamps 
far past the recommended or desired torque range, which is usually for most racking products in the 13 to 15 foot pound range, realize that impact driver can get over 50 foot pounds of torque or more depending on the power of the impact driver. And, and that can actually, in extreme cases, crack the glass of the module. Right, totally. And, and you know, one thing I always say to guys who don't want to bust out the, the, um, the wrench, what do you, well, I'm totally blanking on the, torque the uh, yeah, torque wrench, sorry. Um, if you don't want to pull one out, I always say just take a gun, a, a drill gun, and calibrate the gun to that torque wrench, and then you go around and use the gun. It's, it's not that hard to do. It, so. it, it is actually using an, an adjustable torque drill can be a much better way to quickly insert that bolt to almost the full weight. Uh, I would certainly encourage that everybody finishes off that last little bit of torque with an, with a torque wrench. Yeah, and actually I suggest that people uh, switch over to a 12-volt drill driver for that option because a 12-volt won't, uh, won't really spin it too hard, especially if you set it down a little bit on the torque setting. And uh, Johan, how was it installing that new tool-free bonded structural splice? Right. So uh, that's another exciting feature is uh, splices. Um, you know, with the rail free system, we never really had to deal with that. The, you know, all the br bridge clamps kind of act like splices. But when you install splices, a lot of times you have to use uh, self-tapping screws. Uh, I've sheared off plenty of those just because things have moved pretty quick. And um, yeah, it's another tool on the roof, too. Who wants that? Right. So this one, uh, obviously, you kind of have to imagine. You can go to our website and see these things, but um, but the inner the, the splice is what we call. Um, let's see, what do we? Let's get the marketing term correct. The Q splice internal rail extender. That is our splice, and basically, it's a bar that goes inside of the rail and connects two rails together, and it bonds with no tools, no self-tapping screws. Uh, it's a pretty slick little system. And it makes things a lot faster. You can just do it right on the roof. And, and it is bonded per UL2703 testing. So you've got that confidence on your side also. Yeah, that integrated bonding plate uh, on the splice, it's pre-assembled. You don't have to assemble anything. You, it, it grounds it automatically when you connect it together. And it should and be Sorry, on the Q on the Q click clamps, it should be mentioned that all they come pre-assembled with the bonding plate totally aligned. So all you have to do is take it out of the box, click it into the rail, and tighten down on the clamp. It's really quite simple. I'd like to say that we uh, will be showing this product off at the NABCEP Continuing Education Conference in March. That'd be March nineteenth to twenty-first for anybody who wants to uh, sign up and get get a front row seat to our first demonstration of the product. Right, and we also will be doing quite a few webinars. We have a couple coming up. You check our schedule. We're gonna be doing webinars um, starting at the end of this month in February into March and, and, and moving forward. And then we will also be doing a couple trainings on the road on the west and the east, as well as uh, our Quick Mount van will be on the road traveling cross country here coming in about i think april march april it's going to start hitting the road it's in the west now and it's going to start making its way east at some point so you can check our website for events and trainings coming up now i'm curious uh since this q rail product does come in a light rail a standard rail and a heavy rail how would one make the determination what rail is the best for their application 
I'll take that. Um, honestly, it really has to do with snow load and wind speed and looking at your fan charts in portrait and in landscape orientation and making sure that you can have a project that is going to make sense as far as your dollars per watt um, and your labor content as well. So if you're forced to put in 48-inch span rafter attachments because you're using a light rail, um, maybe you can get away with you know 72-inch spans if you use a standard rail. So you have to look at your labor versus your rail cost, um, depending on the amount of it, roof attachments that you end up installing. Is the assumption yeah. that most installers in California would probably use the light rail? I think that it is. What do you think, Johan? Yeah, I think in, in California, most people are using light rail. The The really cool thing about this system is the light rail can get up to that 30 um, PSF, which really broadens the, 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 the use of this rail. And having the standard and the heavy also allows us to get into some commercial applications. A lot of guys use like the uh, Hollander, um, posts and brackets to build up the racking system and then on top use uh, any kind of racking system that they're familiar with that has the integrated grounding. So our system is already getting uh, spec'd out for things like that with, with some local installers we're working with here. So that's, that's going to spread out pretty far. So that's exciting as well. That's probably a good comment since we are headquartered in Northern California. Those installers that would be in the local area that might have interest can get a little bit more, let us call it hands-on support from folks like Johan and Carlos who are fairly accessible to come out to the job sites and show people the product. In fairness, my sense is that the product is quite intuitive and uh, there's probably less that one would have to show a typical installer familiar with racking systems about the proper way to use this product. But we will be in our upcoming webinars addressing some of those unique uh, attributes of the product, some of the tricks, if you so to, uh, so to speak, that Johan's learned in his uh, early days of working with the product. Yeah, and we'll also have some sample kits here pretty soon that we can send out if uh, people want to look at the little components, little mini rail section of each and uh, I think maybe the light and the standard. The heavy is not really much needed except for big commercial systems. So we probably won't see that being used as much. Uh, but I believe the kits will have the light and the standard and all the mids and ends and wire management. And, and uh, But yeah, it's pretty standard. It's just some couple key features. Um, and we'll be working with installers. So if anyone's interested, we can, we can work with them. And just like Quick Rack, we will be, be getting out in the field uh, as much as possible just to see some feedback and how it's installed. And there's always tips and tricks that we learn with different systems. So that will be fun. So I'm curious on wire management. Uh, we were talking a little bit about the special clips that we have available, which are, you know, I, I would say a fairly evolved design. They've got chamfered edges to avoid any damage to the insulation of the cable. And they clip right into the T-slot either on the top of the rail or on the in in the case of the standard rail there's a slot only on one side but if you, uh, i'm no, sorry it's the, actually the opposite the, the light, light rail is on one side and the uh, standard and the heavy are symmetrical yeah so you have you have a t-slot essentially on both sides of the standard rail and the heavy rail so maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, your early experiences working with these wire management clips as it pertains to pv wires and to trunk cables yeah, so um, the nice thing is products are always getting better. So Enphase has really reduced their wire size. Um, 
so it's nice to, to work with smaller wires but we do have the capability of of putting in uh, all kinds of different size wires and a lot of people don't know this but we worked with a lot of the wire clip manufacturers directly when we were developing quick rack because it was very dependent on wire clips when you uh, when you obviously with the rail free system like quick rack um, not to be confused with Q-Rail, which is our standard racking system, uh, but the rail-free system we developed all depended on wire clips. And so we literally tested every single wire clip out in the market and we helped, you know, different manufacturers who make these clips strengthen that hold on the wire and on the frame. So we know wire clips and this is one that uh, was developed early and we are continuing to work with wire clip manufacturers for specifically for our rail so there's all kinds of you know aftermarket kind of accessories you can get out there but we also make our own clip that goes into the top channel of the rail as well as the side of the rail so you can really have all kinds of flexibility with home runs and and connecting your rows and I, it's I, a nice sturdy clip too and I am, I'm curious, uh, Sue, to get your input on this topic. We There's been a lot of conversation in the last uh, year or two as it pertains to best practices, if you will, in the area of wire management. I know Hellerman Titan has recently come out with what I consider to be a, quite a good white paper on the topic of, of straps uh, and just wire management devices. But, you know, the, the clips that we have available on the Q-Rail product, from my observation, appear to be really functional. There are times, though, that you have to strap bundles of cables to rail. And I'm, I'm curious if you had any thoughts on the products that you see being used to strap, whether it be a conventional plastic zip tie or the metal zip ties versus some of the more sophisticated plastic ties that we see Hellerman Titan bringing to market. Sure. Uh, honestly, I still see out in the field a lot of people using the thousand packs from the Home Depot, which are totally insufficient for carrying the long-term needs of the solar industry, um, those those ties will probably fail in a year to three years. Um, I've seen them fail that fast. So not a very responsible thing to do. Hellerman Titan, as Jeff says, has a white paper on this. Pretty, pretty interesting to see what their uh, results were when they did some testing. So they came out with a solar tie, which is, uh, I believe, warranted for 20 years. Looks like a standard uh, zip tie, cable tie, but um, has the life expectancy that really is needed in the solar industry. There are also some um, cables that are made by Wiley Burndy um, and Hellerman Titan that allow you to have like a stainless steel inner core with a nylon jacket, but they're a little bit of a, of a hassle to, uh, to work with sometimes. So I think that the path of least resistance sometimes is the cable tie. Uh, just use a responsible one. Hellerman Titan's a great source. And I'm curious, uh, Johan, since you've done some installation with the clips, what's your thoughts on how often somebody might have to resort to a strap versus the standard clips that we'd have available? I mean, on every system, you're probably going to have to use a few. Um, it just depends on how big the arrays are, <clears throat> how many home runs you got going. Um, but you're always going to have to, I, I always go back. I mean, we could do a whole show on wire management because <laughs> this is a hot topic and people, people often are seeking out what's the best method. Um, and unfortunately the, you know, the quick and easy is that zip tie, but they are, you know, 
start like Sue said, trying to starting to see that those are failing. Yeah, with um, optimizers, honestly, you de definitely have longer strings these days. So you're typically not going to have more than two circuits in a typical residential array. So that cuts down on it a bit. Good point. Um, but yeah, these, you know, this is our first go ahead at it. So we're, uh, as far as uh, clips and, and wire management and a racking system, um, so I'm sure we're going to evolve these uh, as we start getting feedback after a bunch of installs, but we're really excited to start doing this. And the, the other thing that's really to, to tie into what Sue was talking about, and maybe we can shift to this, is uh, the design tool. And, and that is a really, really slick thing that's coming with this as a package deal in the sense that, you, you know, a lot of design tools are really handy to show a BOM and a list of parts, but and then there's separate design software where you can design a system and have an engineered report, but this is all packaging it together and having the ability to design a system uh, with different scenarios, different arrays, and put in our mounts and put in our engineering for our rail and combining it and not only getting a BOM, but getting a, a, a blueprint of what you're installing and uh, an engineered report. Um, and, I, and I can let Sue talk about it more because she's been really involved in uh, developing this tool. In, in fact, I will emphasize that especially for a lot of newer solar installers or smaller companies that don't have big design groups, that a really easy-to-use design tool that's versatile tends to be a great uh, facilitating element to designing the system efficiently. So uh, it, it's my sense that uh, the success of a racking product like the Q-Rail oftentimes is a function of the ease and of use of the design tool. And I have to say, Sue was showing Johan and I just earlier today the, the updates that we've made to the Q design tool. And I have to say, I'm pretty impressed. Maybe, Sue, you can tell us a little bit about some of the unique features that go beyond some of the standard uh, uh, capabilities that folks have come to expect in racking design tools. Sure. I think, uh, like you said, if you have a new installer, they might not know actually the rules about how to stagger properly or where to put the mounts on the roof. And we're going to actually output a drawing of where all the mounts should be placed under these arrays. We're going to show them that you can't put you know, splices out at the end where they're not supported, um, you know, depending on what kind of splice it is. We're going to actually give them guidance on how to install it, not just um, a list of materials to install it. Um, the typical design tool doesn't allow you to design anything except a single array in a, in a single orientation, where our design tool actually is going to allow you to design multiple orientations, meaning let's say, you know, a couple rows of portrait modules with a couple landscape on top because you can fit them there. Well, we can, we can actually accommodate that. You can turn staggering on or off with a little toggle switch and, you know, tell it whether you want to stagger the mounts. You could reduce the span. You know that, let's say that uh, New Jersey inspectors like to see 48 inch spans regardless of whether our rail will actually span to six feet. You can actually just Reduce it to four foot really easily uh, in the tool. Um, we also have the option to have multiple arrays on the same report. Um, you can name the arrays, you know, logically like south and east and southwest, which is nice. They can be different slopes. These arrays can have different equipment, uh, might have a different module. Uh, so 
we can get around obstructions. It's a really nice tool. There is uh, one other feature that I'd like to call out because it matters considerably, which is non-standard raptor spacing. Let me just mention that I was doing an attic inspection for my friend's home, his brand new house. Well, he, he just moved there in Placentia. It's a relatively new house. So he has an interest in getting a PV system there. I got a ladder, went up into his attic, and I started to measure the rafters with a tape measure. And there were no two rafters that were the same distance apart. They varied in uh, spacing between nine inches on the short end to 33 inches on the far end. And there was no consistency to that whatsoever. So a tool like you're describing here would have the capability of making those unorthodox spacing adjustments, correct? Yeah. And actually in the Northeast here, I have run across projects that I've done with 21 inch on center and 25 inch on center. And in this tool, you'd actually be able to enter those values. So that's a huge convenience in my opinion, because what it then does is at the end of the process, when they hit the print report button, you will get an engineering report that will provide the structural engineering justification with that unique spacing. Is that correct? Yes, you will. Um, we'll spit out the the drawing and the report to show what's allowed of in exact spans. Another nice thing about this tool is that we're actually going to use the rail efficiently. Um, other tools, once a rail has been essentially cut by the tool, it calls it waste. So you could have a 14-foot piece of rail, you use you know, six feet of it, it's going to throw the rest out and populate a whole lot more rail than is actually needed to travel to the job site, which causes a lot of waste and actually that rail probably gets damaged before it actually gets back to the shop. So we've designed our tool to actually reduce waste and use parts efficiently, you know, considering the value of the rail and the, and the value of the splice and the amount of time it takes to, the, to put the splice in. Um, we're, we're balancing all of that, but we're still gonna reduce the amount of rail that you should bring into the job site based on um, wasteful tools. Like I said, Installers today are pretty spoiled. <laughs> they have tools to do everything now. But one thing I wanted to point out real quick is uh, um, not only does it help you, one thing I'm really excited about for this is that not only does it help you design the system to begin with, but if you change the design, we all know that as builds change. And if you change the design, you can go into the tool, change the design, email that back to the office, file it, and say, this is what we actually installed, so that if you go back to service something, you understand where things are, what needs to move around, or you know what I mean? If you need to go service the system at all, you know exactly what was installed and you have record of it. One, one uh, additional comment is, from a usability perspective, the feedback that I had heard when I had been inquiring with companies that were utilizing design tools for laying out racking systems is ease of use, ease of use. And I'll, I'm really pleased to say over the course of the past month, month and a half, uh, since we've been engaged in the uh, design tool development, the ease of use that I see today is really quite impressive. So I think that when people do give the Q design tool uh, a little bit of a workout, they're going to be pleasantly surprised with how easy it is, how intuitive it is, and the quality of the information being put out the, at the back end. Yeah, and you know it defaults to the worksheet view where you're basically doing things in a grid and they look like little gray modules. Uh, it's a great way to do it if you already know what your layout is. 
but there's sort of an advanced feature where you can actually go into Google Map View and design on the roof, and you can even do multiple arrays on the roof. It's great because you can see the obstructions that you're trying to work around, and we have actually have a, a module moving tool that allows you to click over, click a single module over and push that whole array over a little bit to get around an obstruction. So you can literally do that with a roof view. Um, in most cases, the, the Google Maps view that we import is a pretty good view of the roof, and you can do a good job of designing on it. So um, sort of an advanced class, but starting starting with the worksheet, and uh, you can design a, a, an array really quickly. And and uh, one other item I'll mention as it pertains to satellite imagery, like Google, of course, sometimes the resolution isn't quite as high as you would need to accurately spot roof obstacles like vent pipes or attic fans. Uh, in this recent project that I did, the attic inspection in Placentia, California, uh, I found that uh, the particular attic events that were used were about as large as I've ever experienced, which in essence would require they be removed and replaced with lower profile attic vents. They have a whole house fan system that utilizes these vents. But uh, uh, one once you've had an opportunity to reconcile the actual obstacles with what you see on Google Maps view, you can oftentimes understand if it's a vent pipe, if it's an attic vent, if it's a, a kitchen or bathroom uh, uh, vent. And most of these can be gone over. In fact, there's some recent code change in the residential code that recognizes cutting down plumbing vents under PV arrays. And for most roof types, the dimensions that are required make it a very achievable thing to do. So you no longer have to necessarily uh, move your modules a few inches over to the right to accommodate that plumbing vent stack. In most cases, you can comply at least with the residential code uh, by cutting down the vent pipe and having it live its life under the PV array. Yeah, that's. Um, I've seen it done in the past, and I always kind of cringed because I didn't think that it was allowed by code. But uh, finally, the codes are catching up to reality. Is that the the vent pipes use so little down pressure of air that uh, there's really no issue, and as long as you're going to keep it from getting critters in it or getting you know snow or water inside from uh, exposure, it's going to be nice and protected underneath that panel. So it really isn't an issue. Well, uh, uh, Johan, maybe you can just give us after, again, you've had the most hands-on experience with QRail to date. Uh, what's your thoughts when you walk away from an installation having used QRail versus many of the other racking products that you've traditionally used? Uh, I mean, some people say a rail's a rail. I think it's more about the small features and, you know, mid clamps and end clamps is a big deal. Wire management is a big deal. Everybody has to have integrated grounding. Um, but I really, really liked that Q-Click part of the system. Everybody does things differently, but I tend to prep a lot of things, and it makes it really easy to prep things on the roof and just go, go, go um, right out of the box. It's pre-assembled. Um, you've got black options to, um, to tuck away and, and have really nice aesthetics. Um, Sue mentioned the uh, the internal splice is a really big factor. Um, so all of the design, you know, we're pretty well known to be designing from an installer's perspective. 
there's always that dilemma with any manufacturer where you've got engineers do not designing systems, but uh, it doesn't pass you know, to do a product release with us at QuickMount unless you know me and Sue and Carlos and some of our installers that uh, you know review products approve it and say yes we're good with this. So um, I'm pretty pleased at the uh, ease of install and I think installers are really going to like it. It's it's going to be really quick, easy, and um, it looks really good when it's done. Uh, obviously, aesthetics is a big part. So um, I'm pretty excited to get on the roof with installers more and see see how they like it. Well, just as a reminder, there's going to be a few opportunities over the next couple months for those interested in seeing the product to do so. The first opportunity will be doing, of course, some webinars coming up here shortly, but a hands-on training opportunity on March 1st, I believe, is the date. Yep. Yeah, March 1st, we're doing our first uh, in-house training at our headquarters at Quick Mountain Walnut Creek, which is about you know 45 minutes outside of San Francisco. Um, we have an awesome training facility here, and we do those about once a month here at headquarters. Um, but I'm, we also bring in installers in the local Bay Area um, if they want to do crew trainings. We call them rainy day trainings. They'll, they'll give us a holler in the beginning of the week, and um, we'll schedule you know specific trainings to their needs if they want to focus on tile. Uh, on our new Q box, which is a, which is our our flashed uh, electrical ju junction box, and uh, now our Q rail. For and so we're starting to do that, and I imagine we're going to get a lot of requests from that. But as I mentioned earlier, we will have that quick mount van hitting the road. But March first will be a special day because we also show in uh, Jeff's movie, the Solar Roots movie, is going to be the kind of after hours fun event that we're going to do here. Um, and I'm sure, Jeff, you've talked about that a little bit on the show, maybe not? Uh, well, we haven't talked much about that yet. Uh, actually, for those that may not have heard, uh, I spent a couple years making a documentary film about how the solar PV industry started. We debuted the documentary film at the Solar Pioneer Party in Willits, California in early November. It was really well received. Uh, many of the stars, so to speak, of the film were in attendance, and we have uh, a number of showings scheduled over the course of the next six months. The, the next one that we'll be doing, of course, is on March 1st. The, we have two showings, uh, one at 5 p.m., one at 7.30, both being organized by NorCal Solar. And we'll also be showing it at the NABSEP conference where the QRail product will be officially unveiled, I guess you could say, to a broader audience where we will have uh, one training class. Uh, I believe, is it a is it an hour and a half long training class that we'll be doing at NABSEP? Yes, it is. And it will be the three of us, uh, myself, Jeff, and Johan will be co-presenting that training. And that'll be uh, really a, a great opportunity for anybody who's at the NAPSEP conference to get some hands-on experience with these products. We'll have them. I'm sure we'll have some nice displays made up for our booth by that time. So I'm looking forward to seeing what those displays look like. Uh, and then we will be conducting hands-on trainings both at our corporate facility in Walnut Creek as well as at distributor events throughout California over the months of March and April, California, and the Northeast being the, the major initial focus. Sue, maybe you can talk a little bit about the Northeast. Yes, I actually have a training set up for Rochester, New York in uh, on April 24th, I believe. So you can head on over to the 
CED Rochester location, uh, if you want to see an online and uh, hands-on training, they have a demo roof there. So uh, not too long after NABCEP, I'll be doing a hands-on training there. I also will have the mobile training center uh, on site. So be a good party for Rochester, New York. Is, is that outdoors training roof or indoors? No, it's an indoor training roof, luckily, because it could still be snowing in April in Rochester. Well, I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that we don't get snowed on during the uh, NAPSUP conference in Buffalo, New York. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Now, I also wanted to mention something that I totally forgot to mention about our design tool. Um, it actually, speaking of snow, it auto-populates the ASCE 7-10 wind speed values and snow load values unless you're in a case study area, um, which some of that area like Buffalo and the, the, uh, the places that get the lake effect snow, uh, they get so much snow within the same zip code, they might get a little bit or a whole lot um, that they actually, the, each AHJ will, is allowed to decide exactly where your house fits on that. So unless you're in a case study area, um, our tool will actually design for the actual wind speed and snow load. You don't have to go look it up. That's a really nice feature, and uh, the, I will reiterate with the complexity that exists in structural codes and standards, the typical installer rarely has the in-house expertise to really dissect what is sufficient structural capacity. So to have a design tool that is predicated on real calculated load values is a, is a big comfort to a typical installer who doesn't have that in-house expertise. Yeah, right. they're actually up to date as well, and I've noticed that some of the other tools are not not actually up to date. And we will at, in the webinars we will briefly talk about the the tool. So if people log into the webinars, we will it'll be a little bit better, and you'll be able to see the screen and, and see the example. But uh, as soon as we launch it, you're able to sign up for free, right? Yes, free tool. Uh, just have to give your email name and uh, name. That's it. Everything's free, but the racking product. <laughs> well, uh, I really want to thank you, Johan, for talking to us today about the new QRail product. It sounds like it's going to be an exciting addition to the other products that installers have had to choose from over the years and certainly encourage uh, any listeners to view uh, the product at one of the upcoming trade shows, which includes, of course, the NABCEP conference coming up. Uh, what are the other events that we'll be exhibiting at here in over the next few months uh, besides NABCEP? We will be at the Midwest Renewable Energy Fair. And uh, yeah. uh, we will be, we're, we're looking at some of the regional shows. Uh, we have staff in different places, but we'll always be at the uh, SPI conference, obviously. Um, I might I might be in Oregon in May uh, for the OSET conference. Um, there's all kinds of little things popping up. We can't get to all of them, but we will. Oh, and Intersolar too in July. Yeah, yeah. Our van. That's another reason why we got that van. We can, you know, it's got a display room. It's basically a little mini training room on wheels. So uh, definitely check our website because we're starting to look at where we need to be. Um, we also offer crew trainings too so if it's if our van is crossing through that path we can we can try to schedule something if it works out so just let us know you can always email training at quickmountpv.com uh, or or shoot us a line uh, at tech support uh, or just call one of your inside sales reps or you know, our distributors will start to know about some of these products as well but feel free to contact us directly 
And, and if anybody does have questions about the QRail product, Johan, how can they email you? Uh, my email, so we're all first name dot last name. Uh, my name is Johan dot Alfson, and my email is uh, at quickmountpv.com. Um, I think my old Johan at quickmountpv.com uh, works as well. So my name is probably the most complicated here. Um, That's so why you should spell it. J-O-H-A-N dot Alfson, A-L-F-S-E-N. Uh, at quickmountpv.com. They're also on the website, but training at quickmountpv.com does go to a few of us here. Um, and tech, T-E-C-H, at quickmountpv.com is probably the best resource for tech support. Yeah, it's going to get you the fastest answer. Yeah. Yep. Well, again, thanks so much, Johan, for uh, telling us a bit about the QRail product. And Sue, as always, thank you for helping me produce the podcast. I do want to remind folks that if you have an interest, you can find the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as at the Quickmount PV website. And it's really easy to find our podcast in part because when you Google the search term solar roof talk, we're about the only thing that comes up. So it's a, a fast, easy search. Uh, so thanks again, everybody. And we'll look forward to seeing you uh, at a future uh, event and uh, hope you listen to future episodes of Solar Roof Talk. Have a great day. This episode of Solar Roof Talk is brought to you by Quick Mount PV's L Mount. The cost competitive L Mount is an integrated flashing mount and alpha for 